Jesus says to count the cost of salvation before deciding whether it is right for you. Luke fourteen twenty six through 33. When the people asked of the rewards of salvation, Christ responded in Mark ten twenty nine through 31. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. The word persecutions just doesn't seem to fit, does it? However, persecution is a very real tenet of the faith. The world and its universe were made for man, for Adam and Eve and their offspring, and Adam and Eve were awarded dominion over all the earth. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, our grandmother, Eve, in an act of unbelief, followed by her disobedience, ate of the forbidden fruit, and our grandfather, Adam, followed her pernicious ways. At this point, the law of sin and death began its reign, and man's dominion mandate was assumed by the devil. When Jesus is being tempted of the devil, in Luke 4, 6, Satan declares his right of dominion. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Under Satan's reign, the persecution of the righteous begins, and it starts with Cain slaying his righteous brother Abel. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the devil is given the title of the God of this world, and the believer is now become a pilgrim. Hebrews 11.13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. When one counts the cost of redemption, persecution must be considered. Persecution for Christ affects all aspects of life. A short list would include persecution on the job and in the public school systems, persecution in the academics and sciences uh, demonstrated in hiring and promoting prejudices against those who confess Jesus Christ in biblical creation, persecution even in the home, where one is maligned and rejected as a result of his or her confession for the cross of Christ, persecution in the form of beatings and even death. Should Christians be surprised, our Christ hung upon a cross between two thieves, being falsely accused and ridiculed before a great audience of men and women, before ultimately being murdered. All the apostles were put to death as a result of their testimony of Jesus Christ. The only exception was the apostle John, and they tried to kill him too, but were unsuccessful. Hebrews eleven thirty six through 40 frames it well. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. The born again are not of this world. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. This promised persecution is in part the furnace by which the children of God are purified. It's part of the promise. Am I willing to pay that price? Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again? Would you be willing to pay the price? In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes for you today. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean and pure like the white-driven snow. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, no matter how daunting they appear. You will be free. Today will be the greatest day of your life, and tomorrow will be better, and yes, with persecutions. Here is the simple prop I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God said, Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. God said, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, there is no God. Mankind evolved out of nothing, and one of the proofs of this evolution is vestigial organs. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,156, that will once again contend for the glorious faith of Jesus Christ. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio, free of charge, for your edification, and that you might know that God's Word is true and righteous altogether. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May faith abound in your house. The last sentence of the Bible was penned nearly 2,000 years ago. From Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God in the majority text Holy Bible is still the Word of God, despite millions of efforts to malign and change the words. Revelation 22, 18, and 19 commands man not to add to or subtract from the Holy Text or suffer an eternal curse, one true word walkers take very seriously. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written 
in this book. The eternal truth of the Word of God is breathtaking, especially when compared to the truth of the world's greatest academics and scientists. And Samuel Abbasman's, uh, excuse me, Samuel Arbusman's book, The Half-Life of Facts, you'll find these following excerpts. But ultimately, while we can't predict which individual uh, academic paper will be overturned, just like we can't tell when individual radioactive atoms will decay, we can observe the aggregate and see that there are rules of how a field changes over time. In addition, these results are nearly identical to a similar study that examined the overturning of information in surgery. Two Australian surgeons found that half of the facts in that field also became false every 45 years. Essentially, the information is like radioactive material. Medical knowledge about cirrhosis or hepatitis takes about 45 years for half of it to be disproven or become out of date. Another way to avoid the surprise of changes in knowledge is to simply recognize that it's not that surprising. We are getting better at internalizing this. For example, many medical schools inform their students that within several years, half of what they've been taught will be wrong, and the teachers just don't know which half. End of quotes. The truth issue is serious business. God defines truth in John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Noah Webster gives this verse, John seventeen seventeen, as his primary example of truth in the definition recorded in his 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language. Man's truth of yesterday is debunked by his truth of today, and his truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. There is a reason for the constant contradiction. Man's truth is not truth when it stands in contradiction to God's inerrant truth. The God of the world's academics is the blasphemy known as the theory of evolution. It is a clear doctrine of the Antichrist. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, 21 Signs of Doomsday, Update 55, Names of Blasphemy, Part 3. Scientists with serious credentials have been quoted declaring that the theory of evolution has not only not added to scientific research, but also has been proven worthless and, much worse, very deadly. A sampling from Feature 1. Similarly, Dr. Mark Kirshner, founding chair of the Department of Systems Biology at the Harvard Medical School, remarked, In fact, over the last 100 years, almost all of biology has proceeded independent of evolution except evolutionary biology itself. Molecular biology, biochemistry, physiology have not taken evolution into account at all. Some have even suggested that belief in evolution has impeded scientific progress. Herbert Nilsson, who was professor of botany and director of the Swedish Botanical Institute at Lund University, argued, The final result of all my researches and discussions is that the theory of evolution should be discarded in its entirety because it always leads to extreme contradictions and confusing consequences when tested against the empirical results of research. Moreover, 
My next conclusion is that, far from being a benign natural philosophical school of thought, the theory of evolution is a severe obstacle for biological research. As many examples show, it actually prevents the drawing of logical conclusions from even one set of experimental material, because everything must be bent to fit this speculative theory, and exact biology cannot develop. According to Professor Louis Benor, former president of the Biological Society of Strasbourg and director of the Strasbourg Zoological Museum, this theory has helped nothing in the progress of science. It is useless. According to Professor De Beer, Hackel's recapitulation theory had lamentable effects on biological progress, and according to Professor Belchmidt, it set back real scientific embryology a hundred years. A good example of where evolutionary thinking has impeded medical progress is the belief in vestigial organs. The functions of these were not understood for years because they were assumed to be vestigial and a byproduct of our evolutionary history. In the case of the vestigial thymus, it led to the thymuses of children being subjected to radiotherapy and tragic results. For many years, the tonsils were understood to be vestigial and were often removed in childhood, but it is now known that these are part of the immune system. Removing the tonsils results in a fourfold increase in the likelihood of developing Hodgkin's disease, for example. Similarly, the belief in junk DNA has delayed progress in understanding genetics. Surely, if molecules to man evolution were true, we would continuously observe in nature a creative process of immense power, one that would have an enormous impact upon research and development in chemistry, biology, medicine, and agriculture. Instead, in real practical science, it appears to be irrelevant. Nobel Prize winner Ernst Chain wrote about the failure of Darwin's theory of evolution to postulate that the development and survival of the fittest is entirely a consequence of chance mutations seems to me a, a hypothesis based on no evidence and irreconcilable with the facts. These classical evolutionary theories are a gross oversimplification of an immensely complex and intricate mass of facts, and it amazes me that they are swallowed so uncritically and readily and for such a long time by so many scientists without a murmur or protest, end quote. To the blood bud, the absurdity of it all is just bizarre. Evolution postulates that there was nothing. Then a big bang comes along and boom, now there's a puddle of ooze. Give that ooze billions of years and now we have life where there was previously non-life. Except that life from non-life is a concept that Louis Pasteur proved impossible. Never mind that, evolution pleads. Nope, all of the world's amazing life forms all evolved from a single-celled organism that slithered out of the mysterious warm primordial soup. Man's first cousin is a mushroom, his second cousin a banana, and his father is a monkey. The massive dinosaur evolved into a tiny hummingbird, while the land-dwelling water buffalo evolved into a whale happily swimming in the ocean. You'll find these following sentences mentally satisfying. 
evolutionists were forced to come up with a plausible theory on how seagoing mammals such as whales, dolphins, and porpoises evolved. Remember, mammals supposedly evolved from the sea, so how did these mammals end up back in the water? Some evolutionists suggest that an even-toed land mammal like the water buffalo is the likely candidate to have evolved into the present-day whale. They speculate that the water buffalo like to hang around the water a lot, and over eons of time his hind legs simply fell off and his front legs changed into flippers, and the science students said, no kidding! The water buffalo's hairy hide simply changed into smooth, thick blubber, and his nostrils slid up to the top of his head <laughs> to, to form a blowhole. Then his tail evolved into flukes, and because he was floating, <laughs> this is stupid, isn't it? He was floating around in the water all the time. His body became enormous, and the student said, isn't that interesting? Absurd. Yet the world's academics bow. Mathematics has a concept called absurd. The following excerpts are from Dr. Chuck Missler's book, Beyond Coincidence. While nothing is considered impossible in statistics, merely highly improbable, there has to be a point in mathematics where it's justified to call its quits and say enough's enough. In his 1962 book, Probabilities of Life, mathematician Emil Borel suggests that probabilities become too negligible to worry about on a cosmic scale after 1 and 10 to the 50th power. Odds of 1 in a trillion, 10 to the 12th power, may not get many investors, but it's still remotely possible. On the other hand, a chance of 1 in 10 to the 50th power is inconceivable. It's defined as absurd. 1 in 10 to the 50th is defined as absurd, Dr. Missler continues. There are large problems with the argument that this macromolecule developed through random processes in ancient bacteria. The 20 protein-forming amino acids exist among hundreds, and from those 20, the brutally long sequence of amino acids has to line up in precise order. The amino acids have to be chained together just right, or the protein doesn't fold properly and oxygen cannot attach and release in the manner precisely balanced for life. The number of possible arrangements in a polypeptide of 574 amino acids from 20 basic ones is 10 to the 650th power. Yet during the alleged 13.8 billion years of the universe, there have only been 4 times 10 to the 17th seconds. To suggest this complex protein formed by chance, ludicrous. End of quote. Again from 21 Signs of Doomsday. The mathematical probability of occurrence of complex organisms is terribly low for biological evolution and higher for biological abrupt appearance. Schutzenberger of the University of Paris at a conference on mathematical challenges to the neo-Darwinian interpretation of evolution, concluded that the probability of evolution by mutation and natural selection is not conceivable. We believe that it is not conceivable. In fact, if we try to simulate such a situation by making changes randomly at the typographical level on computer programs, we find that we have no chance, like less than 1 to 10 to the 1,000th power, 
even to see what the modified program would compute. It just jams. Thus, to conclude, we believe that there is a considerable gap in the neo-Darwinian theory of evolution, and we believe this gap to be of such a nature that it cannot be bridged within the current conception of biology. Ambrose of the University of London also finds that for the emergence of new species, the probability is so small in terms of the known age of the universe that it is effectively zero. One example is the information content of essential enzymes, which is unimaginably vast, according to famous astronomer Hoyle, formerly a professor of Cambridge and director of its Institute of Theoretical Astronomy and mathematician astronomer Wickramsinki. The essence of his argument last week was that the information content of the higher forms of life is represented by the number 10 to the 40,000th power, representing the specificity with which 2,000 genes, each of which might be chosen from 10 to the 20th nucleotide sequences of the appropriate length, might be defined. Evolutionary processes would, Hoyle said, require several Hubble times, each Hubble time is the time since the postulated Big Bang, to yield such a result. The chances that higher life forms might have emerged in this way is comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 from the materials therein. Remember, in mathematics, the odds of 1 in 10 to the 50th is considered absurd. Evolution claims vestigial organs are proof of evolution. According to Britannica.com, vestiges are remnants of evolutionary history, footprints or tracks, as translated from the Latin vestigial, end of quote. The following sentences are from the God Said, Man Said featured vestigials. A vestigial organ is an evolutionary assumption that certain organs in the human body were once needed, but the process of evolution has made these particular organs useless. As late as 1960, textbooks listed over 200 vestigial structures in the human body, including the appendix, thyroid, pituitary glands, tonsils, and more. Today's science has reduced the list of 200 useless vestigial organs to a big fat zero. In spite of this knowledge, many evolutionists have failed to upgrade their unbelief and continue to cling and expound on vestigial organs. It is true that one can continue to live without some of the so-called vestigial organs, just like one can continue to live with only one eye or one foot, etc. But the quality of life is much better with all body parts functioning well. For example, commonly removed organs such as tonsils and the appendix, which were deemed useless, are now known to have very real value. It's now known that the appendix is a gland that removes poisons from the body and that the tonsils also remove poisons and secrete needed iodine into the system. Regarding the concept of vestigial organs and their being a product of lack of use due to the evolutionary cycle, Scott Hughes, author of the book The Collapse of Evolution, had this to say. The fatal flaw in the argument from vestigial organs is exposed by modern genetics. Basically, the concept of vestigial organs represents a return to Lamarckism, where the development or loss of a structure 
uh, is based upon need. It is now known, however, that organs can only be altered by a genetic alteration in the chromosomes or DNA. The use or disuse of an organ has no effect whatsoever on subsequent generations. There are no vestigial organs in the human body. Every organ has a place, and every organ has a purpose, end of quote. Before we get to the latest concerning vestigials, let's take a foundational moment for this uh, excerpt from the God Said, Man Said feature, Unchanging Truth. Do you remember vestigial organs, the parts of the human body that have supposedly been made obsolete, obsolete excuse me, through the process of evolution? The appendix was listed as one of them. Page 69 of Discover Magazine, January 2008, has listed as the 96th top science story of 2007, the discovery of the very real benefit of the appendix. Excerpts from that story follow. In September, a team of surgeons and immunologists at Duke University proposed the reason for the appendix, declaring it a safe house for beneficial bacteria. Attached like a little wiggly worm at the beginning of the large intestine, the two- to four-inch-long blind-ended tube seems to have no effect on digestion, so the biologists have long been stumped about its purpose. That is until biochemist and immunologist William Parker became interested in biofilms, closely bound communities of bacteria. In the gut, biofilms aid digestion, make vital nutrients, and crowd out harmful invaders. Upon investigation, Parker and his colleagues found that in, that in humans, the greatest concentration of biofilms was in the appendix. In rats and baboons, biofilms are concentrated in the cecum, a pouch that sits at the same location. The shape of the appendix is perfectly suited as a sanctuary for bacteria. Its narrow opening prevents an influx of the intestinal contents, and it's situated inaccessibly outside the main flow of the fecal stream. Parker suspects that it acts as a reservoir of healthy, protective bacteria that can replenish the intestine after a bacteria developing diarrheal illness like cholera. Where such diseases are rampant, Parker says, if you don't have something like the appendix to harbor safe bacteria, you have less of a survival advantage, end of quote. The lead feature of the Mind and Body section of Epic Times, published April 12, 2023, is headline, Tonsillectomy, a minor procedure with major long-term risk. The subhead reads, Cumulative evidence of long-term associated risk of infection has proven the irrefutable role of tonsils in our immunity. Keep in mind that tonsils were once on evolution's list of vestigial organs, those humans know, an organ that humans no longer need. For many who have not updated their unbelief, tonsils still remain on this erroneous list of unnecessary organs. Consider these excerpts from the Epic Times. Will removing the tonsils or adenoid successfully treat illnesses such as recurrent throat infections or obstructive sleep apnea in the long term? Not necessarily. The swelling is primarily caused by a buildup of lymph fluid containing viruses, germs, and increased immune cells. Swollen tonsils indicate that too many soldier immune cells are injured, suggesting a significant battle 
between viruses and the immune system. Accordingly, the root cause of tonsillitis is weakened immunity, making it difficult for our body to overcome viruses when more support is needed. In the, if the tonsils or the adenoid are removed without addressing the underlying cause of the infection, a weakened immunity, relief may be only temporary. The absence of tonsillitis doesn't mean the viruses or germs are gone, but rather that the guardians are. In the long term, removing our tonsils leads to the absence of the body's major first line of defense against viruses and bacteria, leaving us vulnerable to a host of other problems. The researchers at Vanderbilt University found that although the benefits of reduced throat infections were evident within a year of tonsillectomy, that didn't last any longer. A Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center study reviewed 233 claims from the LexisNexis Jury Verdicts and Settlements database. The researchers examined claims filed from 1984 through 2010 for deaths and complications during and following tonsillectomy. Of the 233 claims, 96 were deaths, 41%, and nearly half of the claims, 48%, were related to surgery. A research paper published in JAMA Otolaryngology in 2018 reported the long-term relative risk for 28 diseases after removing tonsils or the adenoid. The study had surprisingly shown that children with their tonsils, adenoid, or both removed before age 9 were at significantly increased risk for a broad range of diseases as they grew older. The study followed a large cohort of more than 1.18 million Danish children for 10 to 30 years. Of the children analyzed, 17,460 received an adenoidectomy, 11,830 underwent tonsillectomy, and 31,377 had both removed. A group of 1,157,684 children composed the control group. The researchers found the tonsillectomy was associated with a nearly tripled risk of upper respiratory tract diseases, most of which were infections including rhinitis, uh, perinitis, uh, tonsillitis, and laryngitis, which are considered common conditions that everyone experiences during their lifetime. Furthermore, adenoid endectomy was associated with twice the risk of chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder and nearly double the relative risk of upper respiratory tract diseases and conjunctivitis. Additionally, adenoid tonsillectomy was associated with a 17% increased risk of infectious disease. A retrospective nationwide cohort study using data from the Taiwan National Health Insurance Claims Database, which covered more than 98% of the population and medical institutions, identified that the risk of deep neck infection is significantly increased among patients who have undergone a, a tonsillectomy. After accounting for confounding factors, those with a history of tonsillectomy had a 1.71-fold higher risk of deep neck infection, according to both statistical models. A Canadian study found that children who had undergone an adenotonsillectomy were more likely to develop a retropharyngeal or parapharyngeal abscess, a buildup of pus in the throat or neck region. The study examined 180 children with these abscesses and 180 age-matched children without diseases. 
Results showed that 13.9% of children with an abscess had previously had an adiotonsillectomy, six times more than the 2.2% of children in the control group. Why is removing the tonsils and the adenoid linked with a greater risk of respiratory diseases and infections? First, during childhood and early life, the tonsils play a pivotal role in the maturation of the immune system, acting as advanced scouts of bacteria and viruses and food in the air. Second, an Iran case control study published in 2020 found that antibody levels after tonsillectomy in 64 children aged 9 to 15 years were significantly lower after four to six years than in the control group. Additional studies observed a decrease in the serum antibody immunoglobulin A level of patients post-tonsillectomy at one to four months, four to six years, and up to 20 years later. Third, the tonsils, specifically palatine tonsils, express several antimicrobial peptides, including uh, denficins, and catholicidins. They have direct antimicrobial activities protecting the host from microbial invasion and can indirectly modulate adaptive immunity. Removing the tonsils can impair the detection of the virus or germs, decrease mucosal antibody levels, decrease other protective peptides, after the expression of host defense peptides, alter innate immunity, and increase susceptibility to viral and bacterial infections, end of quote. Let's draw it all together. The theory of evolution is the head god of the world's academics, one of the premier names of blasphemy. Man's truth of yesterday is debunked by his truth of today, and his truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. Science and statistical measurements demonstrate the half-life of facts. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the last sentence of the Word of God was penned, and its truth still is and will always be the inerrant truth. Scientists of serious renown have openly and publicly charged that the doctrine of evolution is scientifically worthless and even deadly. The field of mathematics defines absurd as the probability of one chance in 10 to the 50th power or more. You've read several crazy probabilities that far exceed the mathematical definition of absurd, and there are a multitude more that could be listed, all demonstrating the absurdity of the theory of evolution. Vestigial organs and so-called vestigial body parts have been offered up by the world's God as proof of evolution. They once listed 200 of those apparently useless organs, but today there are none. We have arrived at the exit, saints. For the born again, that is marvelous news. But for the rest of the world's citizens, this is very deadly, even eternally deadly news. The spirit of wickedness that will prevail on the earth just before Christ's return at Armageddon is depicted in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, 
God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The absurdity of it all. There was a big bang that occurred in a vast nothingness, and then boom, a Boeing 747. Life formed from non-life. Man's first cousin is a mushroom. Man's second cousin is a banana. Man's father is a monkey. Now, am I a boy or a girl? Or which bathroom should I use? Utter confusion and confusion of face dominates. A spirit of strong delusion engulfs the earth, and its citizens will readily believe a lie. The end of days is knocking at the door. Prepare for departure, saints. If you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you don't have much time left. Click on the further with Jesus now and make your peace with God. The only other option is absurdity. God said, James 1, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God said, Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, There is no God. Mankind evolved out of nothing, and one of the proofs of this evolution is vestigial organs. Now you have the record.